Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. It's one thing to have a hard time with parenthood, but what if you wholeheartedly regret it? I felt like I was like in the clouds looking down on my life and it wasn't real and I was going to wake up at some point. It's been 10 years and I haven't woke up yet. <laughs> it's not that I don't specifically want my kids. I just would choose a life without kids if given the opportunity again. Hear from two parents who feel this way and from a researcher who studies these feelings. Plus, meet a woman who knew her parents regretted having her and find out why she feels like this is something that needs to be talked about more. Even now, even though we're quite, you know, we're like generation woke now, we talk about our feelings, but we still don't talk about parental regret. I'm Kyone Wolf. That's coming up on Audacious right after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Why do a show featuring people who regret becoming parents? I'm going to go ahead and spoil the ending for you here, because if they can talk about it, even using pseudonyms, which they are, then they will be healthier parents. And if they can talk about it, then parents who maybe don't regret becoming parents but struggle in the role can become healthier parents, too. So this one goes out to every parent out there, and to people who, whether they realize it or not, are on autopilot to become parents. To truly regret becoming a parent is something almost no one talks openly about. Even the Facebook page aptly named I Regret Having Children, with its 27,000 members, only posts anonymous submissions. I contacted the moderators of that page, and they posted my interview request for this episode. Two women got in touch with me to talk about their experiences and feelings. How do they balance feeling full of regret while wanting to make sure their kids are well taken care of? What's the difference between the version of themselves that they show their friends and family on Facebook and stuff, and the version of themselves that holds this regret? And is it really possible to love someone whom they regret bringing into existence. You'll meet them in just a little bit, but first I want you to meet Jenna Abbotts. She's an associate professor in the Department of Communication at the College of Charleston, and she and her colleague, Professor Julia Moore, investigated how parents communicate regrets about having children. And what better resource to get people's feelings about something they'll not talk about publicly than Reddit? Reddit is a massive, mostly anonymous collection of communities where, yeah, people are sometimes terrible and mean, but because of the nature of the beast, they're often very, very honest. It's in these communities or subreddits like parenting or confessions or child-free where folks can get heartfelt advice or they can just vent. It was from there that Jenna and Julia culled their data they searched terms like parental regret and I regret having children, and they found 12,000 different comments. Then they categorized them, 
regretting the timing, the number of kids they had, the state of the world the kids are born into, regretting with whom they had their child. You know, circumstantial stuff. But then there's the category of parental regret that this show is focused on, which Jenna summarizes as... I wouldn't change the circumstances. I just wouldn't have had them at all. So that much darker category. So some parents regret... Uh, parent, they associate parenthood with extreme loss, and especially for mothers. So in this category, they regretted the expectation that they be devoted to uh, to children above all else, or they found their daily roles very mundane. So you hear things like, "If I could turn back the clock, I would." Um, some some of them found motherhood, um, you know, intellectually not fulfilling or or demeaning. They just don't see themselves as parent material, or as this mom said, she presents the half two part of being a mom. So others saw themselves as bad parents. They would sort of chalk it up to their own physical or mental health issues. They were unable to fulfill all that being a parent involves. So they see being their failure of being a good parent is sort of a moral failing. So one example that I have for that is a father said, my son is wonderful, but I completely regret having him because I'm unemployed. I'm 25 and I've struggled with intense depression for the past decade. So in other words, I'm simply a individual, you know, so just saying that I'm a bad person. And then many of these parents distinguish love that they have for their child from regret. So they emphasize that they can still love their children and regret them in parallel, which brings up a whole host of different, you know, issues about these emotions. Um, So sometimes they simultaneously loved yet disliked you know, their children's personality. So one father said, while I love my two kids dearly and would walk through fire or take a bullet for them, if I had my time over, I wouldn't have had them. Explaining that there's just per- parts of their personality that they don't like. And then a much smaller category um, were parents that said that they um, they actually didn't love their children. So that was a much, uh, much more rare And in in these cases, you had the most extreme rejection of a parental role. So giving up custody or visitation with their children, which again was that that most explicit rejection of, of the parenting role. And it's impossible to really tell how many people feel that way and won't ever even say it out loud to themselves, let alone to Reddit. Yes, yes. Because there's not a lot of research in this area, so thanks for doing this. <laughs> we, don't, we don't really know fully what effect this kind of regret has on the parent, and we don't really know what this kind of regret, voiced or unvoiced, has on a child. And the fear is that if you regret having your child, or you don't love your kid, or even not like them, then as a parent, you may be more neglectful. Yes, and... So some, you know, you would see some that like are still trying to be good parents, uh, regardless of how they feel. And then others, you know, you can tell that they're just sort of getting by and and you have to wonder because we only looked at parent comments, you know, that, that these feelings of not only are they, is there just such shame and guilt around it, but how does that sort of maybe subconsciously that children feel that and just, you know, sort of from just reading in, in passing different blogs about this and things like that, that, that children can tell that, that they weren't wanted or they weren't loved. And there's such a societal, you know, of, of course your parents do that. Then of course they, of course they love you. Do they start to feel sort of that their own feelings are invalidated? And, you know, what kind of incongruence does that have of like, am I going crazy? I really don't feel loved or wanted, but my, my parent couldn't voice that. So then I'm, I have all sorts of conflict, internal conflict about that too. So looking forward, it sounds like being able to talk about this is 
critical, not just for the parent, but also for the kid. What are some ways that that parental regret can be and should be addressed, uh, considering all you've learned? Yeah, so difficult. I mean, really, the, the first thing we said is we need to allow room for, for parents or for people to be able to say no to parenthood in the first place. So we sort of set it up. We have this like baby worship. We set up parenthood as really like the ultimate step in adulthood. I mean, our tax structure, our, our, our laws, our pro-natalist laws. Right, right. From, from the get-go, sort of how would we start to address those? But I think doing so, if you're going to say like, um, being able to say no to parenthood, it it allows that that dominant stance of pronatalism to be questioned. It helps reduce the stigma because I still think there is a stigma among saying like I'm voluntarily child free. There's this idea that you're going to change your mind, right? Or even do we at what age do we allow a woman to sort of permanently say I'm not having children? Like I want yeah, like for women who talk to their doctors about having a hysterectomy, they might say no. Well, you're so, you're so young, you might feel different later in life. Don't let's not have this hysterectomy. And they're like no, I. I've decided I want to have this hysterectomy. They're not believed. Right. And so early on, like they need to be a certain age. Like when do we start to believe women's experiences or their desires from, from whatever age it is? Cause I still think there's that, that discourse of, of you're probably going to change your mind or, or secondly, you're going to regret that. Right. So we oftentimes think the only type of regret that we might feel is uh, not having them as opposed to what if we have them and then regret all the feelings that go along with that. So, you know, this idea of like, you're going to be older and you're going to regret, like, you know, because it is such this, you're going to be alone or what, how, how, how could you possibly be fulfilled without that? And we don't give, give voice to that. So normalizing that as just an, an emotion, um, an understandable reaction to this very significant life event that we know um, from a majority of the participants, they do find this sense of fulfillment and, you know, watching their child experience life and this wonder and amazement. But it, but it does come with, with exhaustion and psychological costs and relational costs and economic costs. And regret should basically be expected to some degree. And when it is in this extreme degree of like, I would have done this differently and have not had a kid. Like, let's be able to talk about that too. Completely. And who do I, who would I talk about that to? Do I mention it? I think, do I mention it on the playground? Do I mention it to my own parents? How do I, you know, it probably is not the best idea to voice that to my kid, but if I could voice it somewhere and have it be understood and worked through, if parents could more healthily process that, would the the impact on a, on a child be different, right? Would they not feel so suffocated by it? Because I think part of the, part of the pressure and the stress and the silence around it adds a lot of shame and guilt that is is not necessary. So if we could more acceptably talk about that to people outside, um, that that would be very helpful. That would be one one area. Yeah, because how do you face something if you can't talk about it? Right. And what does that do for, for both the parent and the child's well-being? Jenna Abbots, thanks for talking with me. Thank you. I want you to meet Anna from Iowa. Anna is not her real name. She asked to use a pseudonym because she doesn't want her two kids, aged one and four, to ever find out how she feels, at least not by stumbling upon this broadcast someday. She joined me, somewhat appropriately, from her closet, and I asked her to bring me back to the pre-kid world that she now misses so desperately. Why did she want kids in the first place? Um, My husband and I had been married about a year, and he basically was at that point where he's like, okay, I want to have kids. And if not, then I think I'm going to have to move on. You know, he said it very politely, but those were the circumstances. 
So we had a child, you know, I love the baby stage. So that first year of life was really great for me. And then after that first year is where I more (laughs) have grazed over to the area of, oh no, what have I done? (laughs) Um, Our second child was not exactly planned. So that definitely added to it. But really that first year where kids can start making decisions on their own and become their own person, it's just a lot to handle uh, and you really lose yourself in it. Your husband feels the same way as you do, yeah? hmm What was that conversation like? That actually just came out pretty recently. Um, so really, he just, you know, mentioned jokingly to me one day, you know, I kind of wish that, you know, we wouldn't have had kids. And I said, I agree, but I was serious. And then I think when he took a step back from it, he kind of realized, yeah, I think so too. It's just kind of something that you don't openly admit. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're joining me using a pseudonym and I totally appreciate why. What kind of reaction do you think you'd get if down the line you felt like sharing this episode or coming out and saying, you know what, this is me and this is how I feel. What kind of reactions do you think you'd get if you did that? Well, that's kind of why when I reached out to, you know, your response for a meeting with someone to talk to, I had to disclaim, you know, my kids are very well taken care of. This isn't a neglect or an abuse situation. It's just that if I could redo my life, if I had infinite possibilities or some, you know, alternate universe, I would choose not to have kids Um, because the reaction you get is that you're supposed to love motherhood. It's supposed to be glamorous and beautiful and gorgeous. And well, first of all, I'm not a stay at home mom. I would never want to be. It's not a diss to stay at home moms at all. It's way too much work. I would go insane, but I'm a working mom. So I already have the guilt of that on, on top of my plate that I don't spend enough time with my kids. So to say that the little time that I do get with them, I don't enjoy, you know, that has a negative connotation right there. And it's something that I really can't even share with family members, some mom friends I can share it with because I think that they understand just how laborious and all-consuming motherhood is. But really, you have to walk a fine line of what you're really willing to share. So the only person that I can talk to it really is my husband and my therapist. I wonder if some people may listen to our conversation and they'll say, you know what? Hey, that's how it goes the first couple of years. Just wait. It's going to be awesome later. What's your response to that? Well, on one hand, I'm tired of wishing my life away. You know, I'm just waiting for the next phase to come on. And it's years of my life that I'm not going to get back. I want to enjoy the moments and not in a toxic positivity way, but I really want to, I want to enjoy my life, um, which is really hard when your life is completely dictated by two tiny humans. I do hope that I can enjoy it one day. And, you know, when I'm getting put in a nursing home, hopefully my kids can figure that out for me. (laughs) But one thing that my family struggles with specifically that other families might not be is my son um, was diagnosed with ADHD. So when I think about 18 now, it frightens me even more because I've had other close family members who have that same diagnosis and have made very poor choices. And at 18, it becomes a lot more serious than a preschooler um, hitting his classmate. More consequential. Yeah. I want to ask if you love your kids, which feels like an offensive thing to ask. But that said, do you love your kids? Yes, I do. I think whenever I have to say, like, I don't like being a mom or whenever I want to say that, 
I have to, you know, give the pretense that I love my kids and that they're well taken care of. I think for me, the better question is, do I love myself? And which do I love more? The version of myself that I was before kids or my version afterward? Do you know what the answer is? I mean, I think that's what I struggle with every day. But if I could go back, I would choose myself without kids. The question itself is a really big philosophical one. Can you love something, someone that you regret and I wonder if, you know, you, you love your kids and you're, you're locked in, right? You don't have a choice. Right. But when you take yourself out of it and look at it, like, can you love something you or someone who you regret? What do you like? What do you make of that question? Isn't that really what Stockholm syndrome is all about? I mean, not that my kids are my captors necessarily, but I mean, I am. I'm locked into this life. But it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the human beings that they are and for who they are. It's not that I don't specifically want my kids. I just would choose a life without kids if given the opportunity again. So for those who are listening to us, and they're sort of in that programming mode of, I guess I have kids. <laughs> you know, when, when, this, when the time is right, I guess I'm going to have kids because that's what you do. What would you say to all of those who are maybe not committed to the idea, but just sort of think that's, that's what you do? I would say to just really think about it internally. Maybe it's not a conversation that you need to have out loud, but reflect and think about what you want your life to look at. I think a lot of people will fear that they might regret not having kids and it being too late, but I mean, there are trial periods out there, like beyond the home ec room where you get that fake baby for 24 hours. Or the egg. Exactly. <laughs> can't keep it alive. Keep... I mean, yeah. An egg doesn't egg cry. No. <laughs> or do many of the things that babies do. Yeah, go on. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you can become a foster parent. You can have a trial parenthood. Um, I don't know if it has the same type of burden as knowing that it's your responsibility for the next 18 years and really beyond. It's a lifelong commitment. And I don't want to scare away people with that because I know people get meaning from that. I just don't happen to be one of them. Yeah, you're not having a baby. You're having a human. Mm-hmm. One of the earliest episodes of Audacious was about antinatalism, the philosophy that it is immoral to bring human beings into this world. It is without their consent. And it is for sure exposing them to harm. Even though we make meaning and fluffy little stories about good things and wonderfulness and puppies and stuff. This is truly when you have a child, you are doing it against their consent or you're doing it without their consent and you are introducing harm into their lives. You're giving them a death as well. When you hear that philosophy, does any of it resonate with you in some of the other reasons why you wish you didn't have kids? Yeah, it does in a way because I had a pretty good childhood. I was raised by a single mom, but you know, I had very loving grandparents and a, and a wonderful mom. But you can't deny that you're perpetuating some sort of trauma to your children. Every word I choose can have an impact on my child. And there are times where if you've had a really long day and you have this mindset that if I could redo my life all over again, I wouldn't have kids, that can come out 
in what I say and how I do not intentionally, but when you get angry at the, uh, medial actions of every day, it's easy to let those words slip out and you can't get those back. How do you balance not wanting these feelings to be perceivable by your kids and truly embracing how you feel like these two things how do they coexist how do you manage that they really don't i mean that's why i go to therapy like i i do emdr therapy so i'm literally reprocessing feelings that i am forced to hold in all day every day and keep them to myself until i get that one hour a week where i can feel them forever Yep. I saw your Facebook page because, you know, we, we do some appropriate public radio stalking uh, sure. as part of production <laughs> for these shows. And it's, you know, pictures of family, kids, 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 kids. You think that'll be the way you present yourself for a long, long time? I think so. I'm so I'm able to be pretty transparent about how difficult I feel my life is, but there are boundaries and limits and you have to choose what parts of yourself you're willing to share with others. So I think, yeah, publicly that, that will be my face for the foreseeable future. But I am honest to people who know me well um, and deserve that piece of me that life is hard and I don't, I don't hide that. But the people who are supportive are the people that I've made the deepest connection with. Well, Anna, thank you so much for talking with me. Good luck out there. Thank you so much. Have a great day. When we get back. Don't feel as though you're a bad parent. They're just people that aren't courageous or brave enough to actually say those words out loud. Meet a mother to a nine-year-old who regrets becoming a parent. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is audacious. Stay with me. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. We're meeting people who regret becoming parents. And I'm not talking about people who struggle as parents, because that's like all of them. And I'm not talking about postpartum depression, even though that is one condition that makes accepting the role of being a parent more difficult. I'm talking about deep, painful, long-term regret for having brought a human being onto this planet. Tracy from Maryland, who's using a pseudonym so that her nine-year-old and her community won't know who she is, joined me to talk about all this from the privacy of her car. She told me about how she grew up with the usual 21st century American plan of getting married and having a kid or two. It's just, you know, what you do. I asked her when she went from, yes, kids, to, oh no, what have I done? I think immediately after I took a pregnancy test. <laughs> oh. 
I was with a friend. It was around the holidays and we were shopping. And I think I kept like going to the bathroom or something. And she was like, like, we haven't even left out the house and you went to the used bathroom. I don't know, like four times. And I was like, yeah, she was like, you're pregnant. I was like, girl, no. And she was just like, yeah, go. When you leave me, just go get a test or whatever. And I was like, girl, you wasting my money, like whatever. And I went and got a pregnancy test and I got home that night and I took the test and I called her and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, can I curse? Yes. Okay. I was like, holy shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, so I called my mate at the time and he's like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to bed. Like, congratulations. Like, and we were together. It was just kind of like, okay, like, I'm okay with it. You okay with it? So I called her back and I was like, holy like, what am I going to do? Like, this is crazy. Like, I probably said that I don't even know, probably like 50 times. And she was just laughing. At what point did you start to feel regret? Because I imagine that that feeling that you experienced getting that pregnancy test and like kind of maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew. Like, ah, this is scarier than I thought it would be. That's probably really, really common. And the regret thing, I think, maybe less common because it's like not even allowed to to feel that way. So when and how did you I feel? I think the regret was a buildup over time. I think I went through a phase of, I think I'm dreaming. I felt like I was watching like in the clouds, looking down on my life and it wasn't real. And I was going to wake up at some point. It's been 10 years and I haven't woke up yet. <laughs> Probably after year two, three, I think it was just a significant buildup. I'm like, oh my God, I hate my life. Like, I'm going to be like the poster pe- person for don't f- up your life. Like, don't have kids. Like, I'd like to hear more about how, how you hold this tension within yourself, right? Like, how do you go through your life knowing you can't change the fact that you're a parent and you are also full of regret? for having a child. And so how, how do you hold this? So to a certain extent, I think I have a small select group of friends that I've shared my feelings with and have been able to be candidly honest without judgment. I think sometimes because the way society looks at parenting and becoming a mom is like almost an expectation. And when you don't share those views, it's like, well, what is wrong with you? And I learned that early on when I would say this, I was like, I hate, like, I literally hate being a parent and I'm not one of those parents. And I feel like that say, oh, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I feel like all of that is a fairy tale. And that's what society wants you to believe. Like they changed my life in such a way. And maybe for some, that may be their reality, but for the masses, I feel like a lot of people feel that way. They just are not courageous enough to speak their truth and their struggles about it. I have to basically live with the regret. And I, I sometimes find myself resenting my child because I may be struggling with something in particular at that given time. And it's hard to really find balance. I find that when I find things that I, I I like to do, whether it's spending time with friends, I value that time where I can get away or sometimes it's just sitting in my car to watch TV. Sometimes I just want to be by myself. Not that I want to do anything in particular. I just don't want to be bothered. So it's a balancing act. 
I wouldn't say that there's a quote unquote cure for living with this regret. Maybe it will go away in time once, you know, my child matures and gets older and the responsibility of me doing things kind of ceases as they become more independent. Um, Maybe it'll shift. But as it stands right now, I I don't I don't want to. There's still a lot of regret and there's still a lot of parenting that needs to be done. It seems like an offensive question to ask, do you love your child? But do you love your child? I do. And I, I do love them. But at the same time, if I had to do it all over again, I would be okay with them not being in my life. Like, I've definitely had moments where I felt as though, oh, I don't want to get up today or I don't want to do life because this is just too overwhelming. Then you think about, well, if I'm not here, then who's going to care for my child or provide for my child the way that I would? And to me, that speaks to the level of love I have for my child. And you know, my child didn't ask to be here. So just by default, like I have to do what I have to do. So I'm able to kind of separate the two, despite how I may personally feel. I feel like, you know, having a child, it becomes your responsibility to get them to adulthood or a place of being self-sufficient. Yeah. And it speaks to the power of the position you're in, even though you don't want to be in it, that you can love someone you regret bringing into existence. Right. They didn't ask to be here. And it's something that you created. And by default, I just think you just innately develop a bond when somebody's a constant in your life, good, bad or indifferent. You develop some sort of emotions or feelings towards that person or that thing because it's become a part of who you are. Speaking of who you are, um, are there things about parenthood that have made you happy, like things about this work and things about this relationship that have been positive for you? That's a tough question for me because I feel like it was a keyword that you used there, which was happy. And for me in, in my personal life, actually during my whole parenting journey, I recalibrated and I no longer use the word happy in my um, vocabulary. Um, That is not something that I feel like I believe in because I'm just having a hard time trying to decipher what happiness means. Because for so long in my life, I kind of tied happiness to kind of, you know, oh, the getting married and having a child. I felt as though, you know, that would equate happiness. And that was the furthest thing from the truth for me. And so I can't necessarily say it's made me happy again, because I don't, I no longer know how to define what that looks like for me. Um, Some people may, you know, define it by success, or if I make a certain amount of money, all of those things that I kind of set as benchmarks in my life, I've reached them. However, I don't feel any different. I think that there are moments where it's like you enjoy your, your child or your children or what have you, but it's not, I personally, when I go to bed at night, don't say, oh, today was a good day and I felt so happy doing this or spending time. It's just draining to me. Innately, I'm I'm an introvert. I like me. I like being by myself. I enjoy my company and doing anything above and beyond that sometimes is a little bit overwhelming. So 
I can't say that I feel like they've brought me this sense of joy, peace, or happiness that I would have never known otherwise. I can't honestly say that 100%. Was adoption ever a possibility for you early on when that would have been easier? No, it wasn't because it was something that I I thought I wanted for so long. You know, when you're giving birth and you're in a hospital setting, you know, the nurses come and they ask you that question. And it was like, I was offended that they asked that. I was like, what? Who does that? So I was offended that they asked, but they do ask you that. Like, before you leave the hospital, like, is this something you're going to do? Like, you have to sign these papers. And if that's what you're going to do, then you can just go ahead and fill out the papers there. But it was it was not an option for me at that time. Even if I had to do it all over again, I don't know in my conscience if I would be able to do that. I don't foresee me just like having a child and then giving it up for adoption. I think for mentally, for me, in the back of my mind, I'll always be thinking about their upbringing, whether they were treated right, so forth and so on. And if I were to find out at some point in time that they had a horrible childhood or something, then I would have to live with that. And I don't know if that's something that I could possibly live with. Do you think you would ever talk to your child about the feelings that you have about all this? That's something that I've always pondered. Oftentimes, it's just like, I feel like my child has a right to know how I felt. And maybe they picked up on something. Um, Maybe I was acting a certain way or what have you. I think it will give them context, maybe to some things that they, key things that they remember, you know, from when they were younger or what have you. But, uh, you know, I'm a wrapping in a bow. I did the best that I could. (laughs) despite how I felt. And I feel like that that personifies the true definition of what love really is. I know that if you can go back in time, you would say to yourself, avoid getting pregnant. <laughs> but after you know nine years of having a child and, and really exploring these feelings of regret, if you could talk to yourself on that day where you saw that pregnancy test, what words of wisdom would you maybe pass on to her? Oh, um, this is going to sound really, really bad. Um, but the words of wisdom, I probably would have made a different decision and not move forward with it. Is there anything that I missed or you want to say or get off your chest or ask me or ask well, listeners or anything else. So when you hang up on the Zoom call, you can feel really good about it. I just want people to know that if you are having these feelings and you are a parent, don't feel as though you're a bad parent. Don't feel like there's something wrong with you. They're just people that aren't, I guess, courageous or brave enough to actually say those words out loud. There's nothing wrong with you. It isn't a reflection of how you parent or the parent that you are, you're doing the best that you can. You're definitely not alone. There are so many people out here in the world that, again, just aren't brave enough to have those conversations for fear of being judged. Um, If you are one of those people, there are definitely online forums in which you can kind of express yourself 
that's kind of how I came to be like early on. I was just like, I was just blown away at the amount of people that I would find online that actually regretted having, you know, children for one reason or another. So there's a large group of people that are out there. You just have to find like-minded individuals that share your thoughts and opinions about it. And again, that is very therapeutic in being able to express that. And I think that that's what's helped me is being able to say it and release it and not necessarily hold on to it. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for talking with me. I appreciate you providing an outlet for me to first and foremost have the conversation. It was really huge and therapeutic for me and to be able to kind of share my thoughts and feeling with the with the masses. Um, I truly appreciate all that you're doing. I think this was great and it wasn't it was by divine design um, that I came across it. So um, I definitely appreciate it. And like, again, I thank you so much because it was so therapeutic for me and just being able to kind of blurt it all out. It's definitely good. Thank you so much. After the break. It would really hurt to hear that you were regretted and that you weren't wanted, but we can't heal until we've had honest conversations. You can't go through life living a lie. What it's like to be the child of the parent with regrets, who's been putting all that regret on themselves for decades. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. We're talking about people who regret becoming parents. And I want to be really careful about how I set up this final guest, especially in contrast to the two parents you met earlier who talked about their feelings of regret. They made a point to say, yeah, I regret it, but my kid or kids are well taken care of. They don't know I regret it, or at least I do everything in my power to make sure they don't know it. And it's entirely possible that their children may never know or feel what these women feel. But Sarah Brandis says she knew that her mom regretted having her, even without having that conversation. And it's that lack of conversation that she argues is a huge part of how these tensions persist. Sarah's the author of The Musings of an Elective Orphan. She also writes for The Virago and Medium, which is where we found her article, An Unwanted Daughter's Response to Parental Regret. In it, she talks about when she first started realizing that her existence was one that her parents regretted, she was six years old. I asked her what happened. So this is the first time I can remember staying away from home. And I was staying at my Uncle Bill's house for, I guess it was just a few days. But you know how when you're little, everything seems a lot bigger and longer. So I felt like I'd been on this massive holiday at my Uncle Bill's house. And on the drive home, he was telling me I'd been a good girl and that he was proud of me. And, you know, the sorts of things that families say to kids and their family. And I got back to my house and I was so excited that I'd been a good girl, always been a people pleaser, I guess. And I saw my mum, and the first thing out of my mouth was, are you proud of me? And um, she totally dodged the question. Now, this is Britain in the 80s, so we are a little bit, you know, emotionally constipated. But, you know, generally mothers can tell their children that they're proud of them without it being a dramatic overshare. Um, not my mother. And it wasn't just just a personality thing or just that we were all incredibly stifled and Margaret Thatcher was in power. It 
it was just that she couldn't tell me that she loved me or she was proud of me. She just had to swerve the question and put the attention on my Uncle Bill instead. And I think that's the first clue that I can remember. So talk about when you started really wrapping your head around what you thought was going on. You know, you were going through some really hard stuff and like there had to have been a connection between the stories you were telling yourself about how you felt about yourself and the connection you were making with your mom. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if there's a point where every kid wonders if they've been adopted or swapped at birth or something. But I, I used to think about this a lot. Like, am I really her daughter because she's so cold with me? And you know, when you're at school and you're talking with your friends and this is how you learn about life. I remember somebody telling me what abortion was. And the first time I learned about that, of course, I went home full of questions about abortion and babies and how do you choose to have a baby how do you know you want to have a baby and my mother just really couldn't answer any of this stuff I couldn't get an answer for if she wanted me how she knew she wanted me and I don't know if she ever explicitly said this but I you know memories fade as you get older but I kind of just had this feeling like she had kids because that's what everyone did you know she'd got married what's expected of you next you have some kids yeah I felt like I was something that had happened to her and I felt resented. I always had. You've said it's a shame that the only person who would believe me about being unloved was a professional whom I had to pay to listen to me. Talk about that realization that that therapy was really going to get you somewhere further than you could on your own in your own mind. Yeah, I think this is what I'm the most bothered about these days is that even now, even though we're quite, you know, we're like generation woke now, we talk about our feelings, um, even in Britain, but we still don't talk about parental regret. So yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that's really taboo. So if you made up statistic, if you said that nine out of 10 children are genuinely loved by their parents, then one in 10 person, you know, they're not, but no, the other nine people don't know that. And it's not acceptable to talk about it. So how do you explain the weird situation you're in? How do you explain why your parents aren't in your life? How do you explain the weird relationship choices you've made and your lack of self-esteem and all the problems that you have and why you're going to therapy in the first place? You can't just say, oh, my parents didn't love me. And that led to a terrible childhood and lots of bad experiences that I'm working through because people just give you side eye and they're like, really? You know, your parents didn't love you. Are you sure? I mean, they must have loved you. They must have loved you. They're your parents and they don't get it. So it makes you feel like I kind of felt like I was a fraud. Like I was imagining it. I was I had an overactive imagination. And people did say that to me as a kid. You know, you're imagining it. Uh, you're just you're taking this out of proportion. It's not that your mother doesn't love you. It's just that maybe she's stressed. Maybe she's busy. And it just it makes you feel like you're a liar. So when I went to therapy, and I'm really glad I did, um, it was amazing to be believed. But I kind of am a little bit bummed that I had to pay somebody that much money to believe me in the first place. Wouldn't it be nice if we could talk about this in a free support group or with your friends in a coffee shop or in a less formal setting? Not everyone can afford therapy. And I think there are probably way more kids or grown up kids in my situation than there are ones who can afford to go to therapy. So if we're all going to heal, we all need to be able to talk about this and we need to be believed. A lot of the people we've talked to for this show, you know, I get the impression that they at least try to make their kid feel loved. 
You know, they've got these feelings of regret. And a lot of them have said, listen, my kids are well taken care of. They don't know I feel this way. Versus your mother, who wasn't able to play the role to at least put on an act. When you when you take that into account, and you think we should be able to talk about this, like, how do you connect the two when some of these parents who regret having children can play the part? Yeah, I honestly don't know how that would feel as a kid or as a grown-up kid. I've not had the experience of a parent telling me they love me, even if I was annoying the hell out of them, or I, I don't know how it would feel. Um, so I can't honestly answer for these parents, is it a good thing to, is it okay? Is it enough to love your kids but resent them at the same time? Cannot honestly answer that. Um, I can only tell you what it's like to be lied to. And this is why my angle, my approach is it would really hurt to hear that you were regretted and that you weren't wanted. But we can't heal until we've had honest conversations. You can't go through life living a lie. That's maybe controversial. Maybe I'm going to upset some people, but I feel like honesty is always the best policy because how can you have those healing conversations and move on and reach an understanding if you can't share what's really going on? So I honestly don't know. That's Somebody else is going to have to answer that one. Were you able to have that hard conversation with your mom where she said, yeah, you know, I, I regret having you and I don't have feelings of love for you. How did you know? Did I mention that we're British? (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. So I left home when I was 16 and I didn't look back. Um, I'm 40 now. So I've spent more of my life without them than I have with them. Um, I've not spoken to them in all that time. But had, you know, if if she was to pop up in my life now, the only thing that would make me stop and listen is honesty. That's the only thing that would make me stop and listen. Since you weren't able to have that conversation with your mom, you know, she wasn't able to say, listen, this is this is the truth of how I feel. <laughs> what do you think you would say or feel if she did say those words? I would expect it to hurt. Even after 24 years, I would expect it to hurt on some level because it's all rejection. And no matter how many years I've spent accepting that I wasn't wanted to have someone say it to your face, I'm sure it would hurt. But there there were kind of two hurts growing up. There was the hurt of not being wanted and the hurt of being gaslit into, you know, everything's fine. This is a normal family I'm not a weird, bad mother. Um, And then everyone around her telling me that I was imagining it. And it would at least validate that second part, the feeling like I was crazy because I believed that my mother didn't love me. To have that confirmed, actually, your instincts are right. You can trust your instincts. And we were we were lying to you. That that would be validating. But I'm not negating how much it would hurt to be told that I wasn't wanted. I don't think you can separate the two. As I think about the people who are going to be sharing this show with you, um, who are doing their best to make sure their kids feel loved, even though they regret this choice. And that's an interesting line between like, can you regret having kids and still love them? I wonder, as a child who did feel regretted, what advice would you have for them? What should these parents be 
doing with these feelings of regret? Should they continue speaking out using pseudonyms on public radio shows and maybe medium uh, and they can write some essays? Or should they at some point talk with their kids just in case somehow these kids are getting the message in the ways that many perceptive kids may? Like, what what do you think they should do from where you're coming from? So the horribly annoying answer is that there is no easy or right answer. I mean, if your kids haven't brought it up with you, maybe they're not picking up on it. So maybe don't tell them that you regret them. But <laughs> but if, if your kid asks you, I mean, maybe there's a way to broach it. Um, I think you could say something like, I like you and I love you and I respect you. Sometimes I need my own space. Is that okay? And it depends on the child's age and Maybe you wait until you're becoming a grandparent and your kid's about to be a mother and you say, okay, let me tell you about all the hard stuff. You know, there's a million and one ways this could come up. But I think I think the answer isn't 100% unfiltered honesty. It's perhaps just a little bit of carefully chosen honesty in small palatable amounts that can be worked through together. Just a little bit of, I do love you, sometimes being a mum's really hard and I get really stressed. It's not your fault, or maybe it is your fault sometimes, <laughs> but we're in this together, you know? Kids want to feel wanted. They want to feel part of their family and they want to feel safe. And if you can make them feel safe, you're doing your best, you know? <laughs> you're doing a good job. Sarah Brandis, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. Audacious is produced by me, Jessica Severin Martinez and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Thanks to everybody who's left reviews of this show on Apple Podcasts. That really helps Audacious get into people's feeds. And when you subscribe to Audacious, you'll always get to hear the show a day early. Plus, if you like this episode, you might want to check out the one about the antinatalist philosophy that it's immoral to have children, and we should collectively self-extinct, and what it's like donating your eggs five times. That's at ctpublic.org slash audacious or wherever you download your podcasts. Send me your reactions and show ideas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf, And my email is cwolf at ctpublic.org. And online use the hashtag audaciouspublic. Thanks for listening. <laughs>